Bullies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network. And, you know, I said we were doing it, and I don't know if you believe me or not, but we're doing it. It's a Friday, and there's a new episode of LGBT in the Ring, the second one this week. I know normally when we double up episodes, we just release them both on uh, Thursday, but uh, not this time around. No. Um, two episodes, two days, all through January, and we are doing the bonus show uh, with a big, big bang this week because, of course, it is Wrestle Kingdom week. The two nights in the Tokyo Dome are in the books. I know we have a third night coming up with the uh, New Japan versus Noah show on the 8th, but uh, we always take some time to take a look at Wrestle Kingdom um, every year, and we always do that with a very special guest, and this year is no different. Rachel Giuliani um, is back to help me run through the card, run through all of the uh, matches and stories and, and all the developments that are coming out of this week's uh, two nights of events. Two really stellar cards all around, um, and I really, really enjoyed uh I guess a spoiler. I really, really enjoyed Wrestle Kingdom, um, like I typically do. Uh, but we'll we'll get into more of that whenever we have that conversation, which is coming up here in just a second. But one of the bonuses that does come with doing shows on back to back days is that I can address some updates from the like this week in wrestling bit that I do at the beginning of the show. And you know, this time around, uh, it's it's still heavily injury focused, but. You know, we did get some good news in the last 24 hours. Ray Phoenix, uh, for initially thought to have broken his arm on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday, um, you know, he tweeted out earlier um, on Thursday that, you know, he still injured his arm. There's still something wrong with his arm, but there was no fracture. So, not a broken arm, some other form of an arm injury. I've heard some banter about a dislocated elbow, perhaps, but no um, real diagnosis yet. He's still going to have to go in for some uh, tests and examinations to see exactly what's going on. Either way, still going to be out for a while, more than likely. But it's, it is very good to hear that there were no broken bones in all of this, because that would just would have made things exponentially um, harder to come back from, um, or at least longer to come back from. Um, and you just don't ever want that for, for people that go out there and um, you know put their bodies on the line like this. So... Same message as yesterday. Get well soon, Phoenix. Glad there was no fracture there. We'll see what the damage is at some point down the line. Um, still no update on Jake Atlas, although he is scheduled to have an MRI um, coming up in the next few days. So hopefully we get um, some good news from that. It would it would really be a shame for him just coming back to pro wrestling to, to go down for a length of time with a knee injury. Um just a just a bummer. Hopefully that's not the case, and, and Jake is uh, okay coming out of the the taping on Wednesday as well in his match against Adam Cole. Um, and then, of course, uh, I do want to address something that we talk about on this show because obviously at Wrestle Kingdom Night Two, uh, we saw Kenta and Hiroshi Tanahashi in a no disqualification match where Kenta just got all kinds of messed up. Um, obviously watching the match, and we talk about it on the show with Rachel, but watching the match, there's the obvious point where uh, Kenta fell off of the ladder 
and landed almost pretty much face first um, onto a trash can coming out of that. And it looked like he definitely had uh, cut himself um, on the face, a lot of blood, and you know, looked, it looked like it could have been a broken nose as well. We have confirmation from New Japan that that was just one of the injuries that he suffered in that match. Um, according to New Japan Pro Wrestling, on Thursday, they announced that Kenta is going to be at least not performing on the New Japan vs. Noah show, which he was one of the um, more high-profile names on that show uh, on the 8th. But he's not going to be competing due to a uh, broken nose, a dislocated left hip, uh, a damaged tendon in his finger, and uh, multiple back lacerations. Which, if you've seen the picture that's been floating around Twitter of Kenta's back, you know, I talk about it on, on the show, but it is, it's, it's a rough one for sure. So Kenta looks like he's going to be out of action for a while, for a little while, at least probably, uh, I wouldn't doubt if it was a bit longer than, than a little while, but, um, regardless, not going to be on the, on the Noah show, um, which is unfortunate because that was going to feel like a really big moment to have Kenta coming back to Noah for the first time. But at the same time, you know, Kenta needs to heal, uh, you know, after that match and after, after the injuries that he sustained. So, you know, wishing a speedy recovery to Kenta as well, the, the King of Thighs. <laughs> you'll get you'll get the joke later in the show. But yes, but for, seriously though, get well soon, Kenta. Hopefully, we get some uh, clean uh, reports on other injuries that we talked about here, but. You know, I don't want to get too long in the tooth here uh, because we have a lengthy and in-depth discussion with Rachel coming up here. So let's get right to that. You're on LGBT in the ring. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the ring. And we are here today to talk all things Wrestle Kingdom 16. Uh, yes, the full slate of events is not over. We still have the Noah versus New Japan show coming up on the 8th. Or the seventh, where depending on where you live, um, but let's be real: the Tokyo Dome is is the major thing to be talked about here. Two nights in the Tokyo Dome with uh, stellar matches on both nights and fun matches as well on both nights. I'm not going to sit here and say anything. I don't know. I will get into the criticisms of everything here and there, but honestly, it was a fun uh, night of staying up until the wee hours of the morning, watching some pro wrestling in uh, sleepy days. Uh, and like always, here to discuss it with me, uh, Rachel Giuliani, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. I'm really excited to talk about Wrestle Kingdom with you. It's becoming an annual tradition now, honestly. I know. I'm, I'm so honored to be part of a, a tradition. Uh, means it means a lot to me thank you i really mean that no i honestly i'm i'm so happy to continue having you on you know um especially considering like this year's edition of the show because and this is something that i think not a lot of us necessarily saw up until the g1 climax final no kota obushi on this show obviously because of the shoulder injury and i i did have doubts as to whether you would want to talk about a show that did not have kota on it Oh, I'm not like that. I mean, I, I won't lie. I'm less excited to watch anything that doesn't have Kota Ibushi on it. But um, I, I, of course, I love a lot of the other wrestlers too. And um, 
you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, I hope. <laughs> that is very, very true. And then, you know, I think we're all eagerly awaiting whenever, uh, whenever Coda can come back from, mm-hmm. from the injury and everything. So, and it'll, it'll surely be fun. There's some built-in programs already, but we'll put that to the side for now because we have two nights of stellar pro wrestling to talk about here, New Japan's highlight event of the year. Um, third year that they've done the two night, uh, format. And I think once again, like it, it worked to their favor this year somewhat. Um, obviously like you had, you know, the, the six man tags that were on both nights, uh, kind of filling out some spots here and there, but overall, like, I still feel like the, the, with the story that Gato wanted to tell with the world title, as well as kind of the, the amount of. Um, just hard-hitting in a spectacular contest that we saw. The two-night format worked again for me personally. I don't know how it hit for you. It did feel like there was a lot of filler uh, this year, especially. And it kind of, like, that's the danger of the two-night format. Um, So, yeah. Uh, But I, you know, the matches that they put together for Wrestle Kingdom are always amazing. Like, the the card that they put together is always good. And I personally don't think that every match needs to be like a big spectacular thing at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't mind there being a little filler. So, I, I mean, I liked it. Yeah, especially when, when the filler does set up for stuff later on. You know, right, like of the course, six, yeah. Yeah, the six bands on the first day obviously set up for matches on the second day. And honestly, like, while the six man tags on the second day were more preliminary stuff, you still ended up finding out who the next challenger for the junior heavyweight title is going to be mm-hmm. um, in Master Wado. And, you know, we still had some interesting setups here and there um, coming out of it for the, the next tour or two. So I'm with you. Like, obviously, like, it's stuff that you don't necessarily, it's not like a need to watch match, like so much else that Wrestle Kingdom delivers. But at the same time, it does work for storytelling purposes in that way. Yeah. And I think that, like, Gato seems to be really, like, understanding that there is an international audience um and also a casual audience like this is something that you know i hate to say something nice but vince mcmahon understands very well is like that you know wrestlemania for example you kind of have to book for the casuals you put in something in there um i'm not using casual derogatorily here but um you put things in there that are for the people who've been paying attention all along and i think you could tell what those things were um, at wrestle kingdom but you also do have to be mindful and and it's like i guess a good problem to have that some people will only be tuning in for Wrestle Kingdom, you know, or WrestleMania. Some people will only watch a couple shows a year, kind of paying attention, kind of not sort of thing. Um, so I think that when you take that into account, it it was, you know, well done. And it gives you the chance to, you know, if you, if you watch the normal like shows, there will always be those tag matches that set up for the the main matches and on when you have two nights you have the opportunity to do that completely contained within those two nights and it helps people who haven't been paying attention to get up to speed and feel like they understand the story and get some more emotional impact out of it so exactly it's all about building up hype to the next thing which I mean, that's pro wrestling 101 mm-hmm. and and those accomplished that for for what they were trying to do 
Um, yeah, so obviously we're not going to go like match by match for both nights because that would just be – we would be here for like three hours, honestly, I feel like. So and to that extent, we're, we have like some matches that obviously need to be talked about, obviously like the two main events from, from each night, um, as well as I would say we'll put Tanahashi and uh, Kenta and uh, Hiromu and Desperado in that camp as well. But before we get to those matches that kind of like need to be discussed – what um outs what on night one kind of uh jumped out to you and specifically intrigued you um outside of those like need to be discussed matches um that's a good question i honestly was feeling like shit on night one and <laughs> i um, saw i saw your tweets about having a migraine yeah yeah i had a really bad migraine night one and you know i could have gone back and watched it without a migraine but um i did not do that um so night one was a little tougher for me i mean i i paid attention and stuff but night one was a little bit more difficult for me um but um i was stoked to see a stardom match on the main card um that was huge and awesome. And, you know, normally start stardom has been in a dark match, um, for wrestle kingdom for the past two, three, four years. Um, so that was, that was amazing. Um, and now I'm trying to think about what else there was and the, the junior match, which I'm assuming that we're going to talk about. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, um, and show versus yo, of course. <laughs> yes, yes. I want to. I really want to talk about both of those matches because, like, Show and Yo, like, I have really enjoyed watching Show kind of develop into this. Like, um, I don't want to go full on say emo because it's different, but like, it's very much like sad boy energy that thinks that he's way tougher than he is until he's faced with any kind of adversity, and then all of a sudden, the Show turns into a, like a sniveling uh, child. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely adore how show has been able to adapt to this character and just in his facial expressions alone, when anytime that he like has like, yo has had him in like a submission or any kind of like bad spot, just like the sheer weepiness yeah. of his face was a beautiful thing to watch. And then counteract that with the absolute glee of anytime he gets his hand on that wrench. Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> I at, like, at first I wasn't really, buying him as a heel <laughs> because he just like always had so such positive energy but I think that a good heel turn involves that that period where you're just like I'm really tough I mean I really hate you <laughs> you know um like and and where they're trying to believe in themselves um and that is my favorite type of heel where you can see the kind of like weakness and shittiness and you know lack of confidence that's at the core of a lot of heel characters so I think that he you know at first I was like you are still too cute um <laughs> but and he is still too cute but he <laughs> uh, like but when he like does that smirk it looks like I don't know how to say it right. Like he's intentionally looking like he is trying to put on a mean face, if that yeah. makes sense. He's not no, like, totally like he wants you to see that like, I'm trying to look badass right now instead of actually looking badass, if that makes sense. No, I, that, I love that energy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's very Kingdom Hearts in a way. 
the the energy that exudes from him, which is perfect considering he has that that video game like eight bits oh, yeah, theme song, right. which is just fucking slaps on. I love that thing. And and uh, both show and Yo have like different sad boy energy, um, and and it plays really well. I want to see them fight each other a lot, and um, I know that like when they were both when they were a team, the couple of times that they had to face each other when they were still Rapongi 3K, they were like it it was tough for them. It meant a lot to them. It was like show in his backstage comments talking about facing Yo when they were Rapongi 3K was like unable to say words about it. He was like, this is, you know, the last time I saw Yo across from me in the ring. And then he just like trailed off and nodded. <laughs> um, so you know that that's not gone. It's just like gotten darker and angrier. Yeah. And they really did a good job of putting it all out there for you to see. Yeah. And obviously that also like fed into night two as well with the with the never open weight six man tag match where show ended up using the wrench for real yeah. this time and, and gonna get there. So this obviously is gonna keep going continuing. I'm yeah that's what Heart House of Torture does, I guess. It is definitely what House of Torture does <laughs> for better or worse. Yeah it's I don't think many people think it's for better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like it, I get it. Like that's the, their house of torture. There, but um, you know, I think wrestling fans are just really used to the heels using a weapon to cheat and stuff like that. And they're not that I can tell. And I have been a little bit um, disconnected from New Japan, but that I can tell, they're not really doing anything different with it or new. They're just kind of continuing to do that and. It's like we were already over it, like Dick Togo uh, interfering like last year. Yeah. So I, I hope they come up with something uh, new and interesting. <laughs> with that. I mean, we'll see. I mean, at least now they got Utero doing it, but even then, that's almost a year old at this point, too. So yeah. it's just, yeah, House of Torture is its own thing there that just. Like I, it's frustrating to watch that there is not any real creative development with how they pull those sort of interferences off. But at the same time, like I get why they do it. I just wish that there was a bit more variety in it, and and not just the same thing in every single match. Over yeah, over. yeah, and it's it's kind of like a meta healing. Um, I'm gonna say a nice thing about Vince McMahon again, twice in a podcast, but. <laughs> He is great at that because he is a terrible person in real life. So he is good at, um, like, Brock Lesnar is a good example of this. Like, booking Brock Lesnar completely just outrageously, you know? Like, mm -hmm. booking him to beat uh, every champ in 10 seconds or whatever. Like, that kind of, I don't know, meta healing is what I call it, is like, he's... <laughs> Like, you're supposed to be mad as a fan. He wants yeah. you to be mad that Brock Lesnar gets that um, and that that keeps happening. And um, and I think that that is the point with House of Torture. But it's never good if it's like, I think, I think that's what it is. Uh, and like Brock Lesnar is actually great at it and completely understands 
I've totally come around on Brock Lesnar. He completely understands like his role as that guy that you are just absolutely supposed to hate out of kayfabe and in kayfabe. Um, and he does it uh, great, but I don't know that evil, who is kind of like the leader of House of Torture, is there yet. No, I, and the thing is, like, for with evil for me, and kind of this kind of can bleed into a, a bit about the, the never open way match he had with, um, with Tomohiro Ishii, but I feel like evil is just someone that people still want to love. Mm-hmm. And Brock Lesnar, outside of like your people that still wear Affliction t shirts in 2021, <laughs> people, those are like, that's really the only community that still wants to love Brock Lesnar. And there's yeah, no reason for them. Yeah, and there's still and there's no reason for them to hate Brock Lesnar for that. They love the fact that he's, you know, coming in just and beating Big E for the title in a match that he was never scheduled to be in in the first place. Yeah. So like in that way, I can definitely see like that sentiment there because I am one of those people. Like I still really enjoy Evil as a wrestler. I just wish that you know there was a bit more, a bit more to his matches than there are now. Yeah. Even if it's. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, that's the thing about Brock Lesnar is like, he is a three or four trick pony. He's got suplexes, (laughs) you know, and, and not a ton else going for him. Like he's huge. He looks really imposing, but like, if he does a 30 second squash match, he's still probably hit all of his moves. (laughs) Evil isn't that evil is like, I personally was never really drawn to evil as a wrestler or a character, but I can tell he's very talented and he has a lot that he can do and a lot that he can offer. And so to see him continue resorting to weapons and stuff like that is like, (laughs) yeah, it's it's a little different than a a Brock Lesnar who is the perfect person to do that because he, he's, that's, that's his one job. (laughs) (laughs) No, and, and there will be more to talk about with House of Torture as we keep going through the course of the year because it really seems like they're obviously they're going to keep them strong going forward. And I wouldn't be surprised if we find Evil back in the world title picture again at some point here in 2022. But um, I do want to talk about the, the starter match as well. But before we get to that, because that was a, a huge highlight for me, um, on night one, probably the two matches that stood out to me the most outside of like the mains were. Um, the tag team title match because I am always here for Yoshihashi getting his. Yeah. That man oh, yeah. has like after winning his first title in 2021, I am so happy to see him with a tag team title. We just need to get a singles belt on him. Mm-hmm. And and everybody's best friend can uh, just run New Japan um <laughs> all day long. Yeah. And also Shibata. Mm-hmm. Have to talk about Shibata. Because, yeah, of course. I, I'm sorry um, I missed that. Oh no, you're fine. Like I, it's like there, there's a lot to take in, honestly. But obviously, you know, Shibata, Shibata's like five year journey back to the ring has been a saga that we've all kind of followed um, across New Japan for for the past few years. Um, you know, him coming back and facing Zack Saber Jr. in that grappling match at uh, King of Pro Wrestling was something I don't think any of us ever thought we would see. Much less him coming back in like ring gear in a actual wrestling match and just springing that on the entire world. Yeah. Um, just like, no, we're not going to do like grappling. We're just like, kick me. I want to, I want to kick the shit out of Ren Narita. Yeah. I'm going to kick the shit out of Ren Narita. 
Um, how what was your reaction to to seeing Shibata kind of go back to like near full force here? Yeah. Um honestly, I have I think I have an unpopular opinion about Shibata because I at first um was not happy to see him back, honestly. Um honestly obviously I am overjoyed that he's like alive well in, in top form and everything but um I was I was watching the night that he got injured I um I remember not liking about him even then that he seemed to have this machismo about him that wasn't kayfabe that was really like like part, not part of his character um, there was part of it that was part of his character, but there was like a, a the, the thing about him that like doing, you know, really hard and violent stuff was like manly and he, he like had something to prove and that's how he was proving it by doing dangerous shit um, and not like flashy dangerous shit, not like Ibushi, you know, doing his Phoenix splash and stuff and getting hurt doing that, but like headbutts. Yeah. And like knowing that those are legit IRL life-threateningly dangerous um and I I had started to cool on him at that point because of that because I I just I don't have respect for that kind of especially because you're also endangering someone else and you're also putting someone else in the position of being in the ring while someone is potentially injured very badly um, and that is a terrible, terrible feeling. Um, and so I was like really at first not excited to see him back, honestly. But I have to say that I'm, I'm starting to warm to it after that match, even though he was like, come on, Ren Rita, let's do real wrestling. <laughs> um, I like, I kind of felt like that was character Shibata. And I, I like that because I could tell that he was still safe. Like that match was still very safe. Yes. Um, and not in a way, like they still went hard, but it was still really, they were careful. Like they were actually careful. And um, I remember, I, I, this may be a false memory. I was looking for it and I couldn't find it exactly, but um, I, I seem to recall Shibata saying that he wanted to die in the ring. And that's like correct. many years ago yeah and that is just like fucked up because there is another person at minimum one other person in the ring if you die in the ring and that person will never ever ever be over that um and, and like you know there are many many other reasons why it's terrible to want to die in the ring for instance you know the audience um yeah and so i didn't trust his comeback because of that because he had that spirit that was like, I want to die in the ring. I'm like, you know, um, but I also saw an interview him with him that was like, now I want to live in the ring. Now I want to like, you know, um, recently where he was like, now I want to, now I want to be there. I want to be wrestling. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm warming up to Shibata's comeback, but I, I would love to hear from you because I know that a lot of people are just like super excited and emotional and stuff. And I want to hear like that energy because <laughs> the, that match with Ren Narita and I think Ren Narita was the perfect opponent. Um, oh yeah. And I'm so glad that it was him. Like uh, people were disappointed that it wasn't someone exciting, but I didn't want it to be someone exciting because you knew Shibata was going to win that match. Um, <laughs> and 
yeah um yeah i want to i would like to hear some happy no for sure for <laughs> sure i mean honestly i i will admit like because i was watching that night as well whenever he faced okada and delivered that headbutt that you know almost ended his life and you know from the minute i saw that i'm like he's never wrestling again yeah like, he's not coming back and it's probably a good thing if he doesn't come back yeah so like the more and more that he talked about wanting to come back you know getting in uh, and training people at la dojo um and finding other places in wrestling for him to continue to be part of this thing that he loves so much i thought it was a great story and then when he came back uh last year and said that he was going to be in a match I was like, I, I don't know how I feel about this because yeah. yes, I love Katsuyori Shibata. I love watching mm -hmm. him in the ring. I love his style for the most part. I've never been a fan of those headbutts. Those headbutts are the most grotesque thing that I see in. Paris. I don't. Yeah, I hate that. Don't. Yeah. Don't ever do that again. No, <laughs> I don't want to see anyone at all do them. Like Ishii does them, but he always does them to like the collarbone. Yeah. Um, and like, it seems pretty safe, but like Shibata just did them right to the right to the skull yeah and you could hear the thought in that, <laughs> that oh it was right so disgusting it was and so like, bad it was really uh, it just felt gross and the camera i remember so well the camera just like closed on his face right after it and he was bleeding and his eyes yeah. were just like he was he out was of it somewhere else and as he was walking backstage he fell um like on the way like you could see the, the camera followed him kind of and you could see him fall and apparently he did not get up yeah apparently that was that, that was, was that was it yeah no yeah so like it was a it was kind of like you don't want to say traumatic but like for fans who are watching and and i'm sure any wrestling fan who's paying attention to that it's like man <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like but whenever he did come back though the match with was zach saber i think was the first time when i'm like okay he can still do stuff and under, maybe understands better the limitations he should put on himself now mm -hmm. like it's very telling that you speak of the interview the comments that he gave there talking about wanting to live in the ring again because i feel like the the five years being out of the ring for him has kind of led to this um evolution maybe not fully out of that toxic masculinity ideal of like toughness being the end-all be-all of how you define yourself as a quote-unquote man mm -hmm. but it's definitely shifted in enough of a way to where he understands that he has to protect himself and that he has to protect people that he's in the ring with to some extent, at least, obviously this is just two matches in to a return. We don't know how often he's going to wrestle. We don't know how, how lenient he feels he's going to eventually be once he gets working again. So it's feeling like he might be able to do more, but for this match specifically and the, the match with Zach, like you could easily tell, like they're not doing anything near Shibata's head. They're not, they're not throwing strikes. They're, they were very minimal suplexes. And, and I don't even know if there were any suplexes in this match with Narita. Um, at least once where Shibata was, was thrown where he might've landed on his head or neck. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember any like that. I think the only times when like he did his corner uh, dropkick thing. And I think that was kind of the only time when he did something that he, his head could have hit the mat. and. He even did that very safely. Like I, I was like zeroed in on. I'm sure everybody was. Oh yeah. When you saw him setting up for it, you're just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Like, like I was I, hyped, but I was yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, sure. I mean, I, if this is the style that he's going to work whenever he does get in the ring now, then I think that there is a chance for him to have a, 
a sizable return. I don't know exactly how the heights that you would have for Shibata going forward. Um, yeah, I definitely, I don't even really want to speculate on that right now. We're one match in. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen? But for one night, Shibata delivered a Shibata esque match without putting himself in danger. And, you know, I think a lot of talk about Narita being the opponent um, is a perfect choice because he's basically like the the one wrestler out of LA Dojo who is patterning himself the most after Shibata. So it, it makes total sense that if you want to have that style of match, you pick the one person who you've worked with on a, on a near daily basis over the course of the last year to two years to be that person. So yeah. all in all, yeah. I was very, very happy to see that for him. I just hope that the confidence doesn't go to his head and that he starts thinking about doing things as the old Shibata because I yeah. don't want to see him. I do not want to see what happened at uh, Sakura Genesis happen again. Ever. No, I mean, there is a reading of it that is cynical where it's like he chose Ren Narita as his opponent because he knew that his student who admires him so much would be willing to uh, break the rules because they said that like him breaking the rules was not kayfabe. That was all, you know, and I don't know that I believe that because um, it's a somebody great, had to it's know. a great Shibata character move. Yeah. Um, but there, so if, you know, I'm choosing to believe right now <laughs> that it was, you know, kayfabe uh, um, done that way and that Narita was a great opponent um, because he was a great opponent and he was like he, and Shibata, Shibata afterwards was so magnanimous about him in a way that I've never seen him be before. Like he's really, you, you've never gotten to see that side of him where he is, generous in spirit and and happy for someone else um but he was just like thrilled about how well Narita did um which was also really nice to see and also an indication that maybe he's evolved in his thinking I I think I think he will have to change his style a bit I, I what do you think like he'll he'll probably if he wants to keep wrestling can't do the old shit that he used to <laughs> well I mean the, luckily Shibata you know, never really was like, I think the main thing you would have to pull out of his repertoire would be like any kind of like real suplex game, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, cause like, but Shibata never really, I mean, he had that in his repertoire, but he was never really focused on that. Yeah. Really, he was more of a striker, more of a like mat wrestler. And those are two styles that work very, very well for someone who's coming back from the kind of injury that he had, mm -hmm. unless you, start going to the head again like you you have to stay away from the head he can't be taking that Minoru Suzuki one foot drop kick like everybody else does like that's just not going to work with your body no. so yeah it, the that, second I see him do something like that again I will I, I will lose all trust it's it's very thin right now so exactly I, but I am hopeful yeah every time you said yeah. sorry sorry go ahead no no I just said that brought back hope for me oh yeah no I mean every time he steps in the ring now like he has to understand that like he still is a bit of a liability and he cannot put himself into situations where like that stuff will happen because you know not only will his wrestling career definitely be ended but you know he could have like he could seriously hurt himself again and nobody Nobody wants to see that, whether you're a Shibata fan or not. Nobody wants to see that. No, no. Yeah. We are so lucky to have him back. Like, and I remember when he came back in the G1 final, 
2018 oh, or something like his yes. music hit I just immediately started crying like I was so excited to see him then so I, I have gone on a Shibata journey as well so I'm, I'm happy to be where I'm happy that he's back this <laughs> is the most beautiful thing about pro wrestling these emotional journeys that we all go on with it yes beautiful speaking of that though let's get to night two some other standout matches here Mm -hmm. you brought up the stardom match um which was outstanding yeah mayu mayu iwatami and starlight kid taking on uh tam nakano and saya kamatani um just one day or a few days after um a big uh, stardom show at uh, sumo hall um like you said like this is the third year that they have had a stardom match or multiple stardom matches on the card for Wrestle Kingdom, but they've never aired. They've only been like dark matches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, looking at that aspect of it and then finally being on the broadcast, it was a thing of beauty. It was a stroke of genius to see because like stardom has really kind of built its profile even more so over the past couple of years, after losing some really big names, obviously Io Shirai being right. the top one, right? You know, they, they've had to kind of re and and also you know the situation with Hanakamura as well, right? You know they've lost a lot of top stars and they've really built Stardom back up into a um, really top tier um, Joshi promotion, and yeah. to see that get the recognition that it deserved with not just a match, but a killer match. And they, and they chose the right people to be in that match. It was mm-hmm. like they didn't, they haven't just built back the promotion. I don't watch Stardom all that much, but they have built those wrestlers. Like they have just really focused on building the, those characters, those women, like especially after Hanukkah died, you know, they, they like doubled down on making sure that they were, you really had a connection to those those wrestlers so um yeah it was it that match was perfect i loved it <laughs> yeah you know and, and honestly like i i just love the fact that you know we got to see see mayu again i always mm-hmm. love seeing mayu starlight mm-hmm. kid i i have loved watching the the metamorphosis that she has had since joining oedo tai um it's just such a different viewpoint on what that character can be and you know, Tim mm-hmm. Nakano and Iwatami, it's just, <laughs> it's just, yeah. What can be said, honestly? They're both just, oh my God. Tam Nakano has one of, like, is probably the most intense, one of the most intense people that I see in stardom. And Iwatani, Iwatani's Phoenix Splash is a thing of beauty. Ka- uh, yeah, Kawatani. Yeah. I oh Kamatami um, yes Kamatami she that was the first time I had ever heard of or seen her so yeah. um because I like I said I don't watch Stardom all that much the other three I have seen and I've seen matches that they were in and um I think god yeah <laughs> uh Mayu Iwatani and Tam Nakno I think I had seen in person before as well um because they were I was at Wrestle Kingdom and they were in a dark match um and one of the um I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh Tam Nakano was in um New York that time that they all came to New York oh yeah the Madison Square Garden show Garden. yeah yeah um but I it, it was great 
it was great. It was just, I was, I, I, I of course I saw, um, Kami, what, Kami Tom? I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember her last name. Kamatani. Kamatani, okay, yeah, sorry. It's okay. I saw her and like I the second it up ends, already, they so. were like, they were like, her nickname is the Golden Venus. And I was like, I stand, you know, um, <laughs> as you alluded to in the beginning of the show, my favorite wrestler is Kota Ibushi. And so I was like, oh, <laughs> she and I have something in common. <laughs> Uh, fairly and I came to see how true that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I just I love the synergy between these two companies. I mean, they're owned by the same right. by the same company. Obviously, there's like some TV rights deal stuff that kind of prevented, or like was said to have been the the reason why they weren't on the broadcast in previous years. But I hope this becomes an annual tradition. Like, Let's, they need yeah, to have, more more stardom matches too. Yeah. Like, I would love to see at some point like a joint like two nights oh. still but like half stardom half new japan like i would i would love to see more just you know it and also intergender matches as was alluded to in the post-match comments um <laughs> so like that was really exciting i don't know if that was just like someone shooting their shot but um i i hope that it means that maybe that is on the table Yo, I like shoot all the shots, please. Let's oh, get yeah. this going. Let's get yeah. this happening. I want it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm with you. Like, if if I think that you can look at the success that um, you know, Wrestle Universe has had with putting your like DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro together oh, yeah. for joint shows. Yeah. Um, that these sort of like pairings of um, the male promotions and the Joshi promotions, like put them together and and make this work and and bring in a. a a uh, an audience that can just help grow both of them because I, more eyes should be on stardom honestly yeah for sure yeah. Yeah. yeah i hope that i hope that they get you know a lot from that i think they're very well known in japan and the the wrestling fans are already on the they already know about stardom but it was amazing and i hope a lot of western fans who had not been exposed to stardom wrestlers before saw how how amazing they were Exactly, exactly. Um, another match that stood out to me, um, obviously we had like the special singles with Naito and Cobb and Sonata and Great Khan, which were like fine. Like they were, they were, they were not necessarily there. Like, I don't like, I don't want to say there in like a derogatory sense. Like they were fine matches. It was just like, okay, that's cool. I'm glad to see Sonata and I'm glad to see Okan. It sucks that Jeff Cobb hurt his knee. Yeah. Uh, but and obviously you you give Naito a win to kind of set up for for what we saw at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. But for me, the other match that stood out on second night on the second night was uh, our King of Pro Wrestling, our provisional King of Pro Wrestling determiner. Mm -hmm. Because um, look, Toruyano in my heart is the one true world champion. Always he is the be. king of pro wrestling. Exactly. Whoever has that title, he is the king of pro wrestling. But if there was one person to rival him for that title, yeah. it is goddamn Minoru Suzuki. I love, <laughs> I love their rivalry. They have had a true rivalry for years. And I am so pumped to see another episode in it. I love it so much, um, especially because um, maybe I've said this before, but um, Toru Yano is actually like 
well-respected, decorated uh, amateur wrestler. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have to go through, he famously didn't have to go through the New Japan, uh, like, dojo system or whatever like that uh, tryouts and stuff that everyone like Shinsuke Nakamura and all you know all these people had to go through these tryouts and he was just in because of how um how much he had accomplished in amateur wrestling and he kind of felt like he didn't really have the look to be a, a you know star so he was like I'm gonna be this comedy guy but he has the skills um and he shows them sometimes and i love that um but i i just love that minoru suzuki kind of like has this way of of paying homage to that by by having um the character minoru suzuki like the one man that he fears that he cannot best <laughs> is toru Yano. i love that it's so good <laughs> it, it is so poetic when you look yeah. at both of them because, like, yes, Yano has that pedigree to him, but he has made such a name on being this comedic presence on the show. So much so that, like, I every G one, I yes, I look forward to like the the you know however you want to define a five star match being like those type of matches. But I also look forward to every tour Yano. God, yeah, I would be so sad if he wasn't in the G one. <laughs> The day that comes is the day that, like, part of my soul dies, honestly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, he is. But he's, he's, and he's so important because he is that wild card, you know? So you can book him to win or lose, and it will be believable either way. The G1 is always, like, 80% of the matches, you know who's probably going to win those matches. There, there are always some upsets and stuff, but, like, it is pretty darn predictable most of the time. And and honestly, that's fine because they put on great matches still. Um, but Toru Yano, it has a really important function in the G1 too. So the, it will be a, a lesser tournament without him. <laughs> it will, it will. But like to, to that point though, you look at someone like Minoru who, yes, he is like, there's a reason why I call him murder daddy. Like mm -hmm. that is just his personality. <laughs> You know, he will just beat the shit out of anybody that he wants to for any reason that he feels like. But yeah. at the same time, that that coexists with a side of him that is not afraid to get into those goofy scenarios and he, to play around with the idea of pro wrestling. I love Minoru Suzuki for that reason. I, I also like, especially the Western dude bro stance who are like, he's so tough and cool and ever like, who don't <laughs> see like that he is actually fucking ridiculous. Like yes. he is... A ridiculous person i don't know if you've ever seen his ddt matches but like oh yeah he's fucking great like he's so good and you can tell that is he gets pro wrestling and he went on that journey too where he, he had pancreas and he was like i need to be so tough i need to be so cool i need to be actually hurting people <laughs> and eventually he came to realize what pro wrestling is which is like it is it has this really actually important and vital side to it where it is completely ridiculous and fake and not realistic um and once he leaned into that as the character Minoru Suzuki he just was magical and like that is why Yano is just the perfect Foil for him. He has a losing record in singles matches against Toru Yano. Um, I can't, I'm so hyped for that. I can't wait. Um, I wanted Toru Yano to win like emotionally because he's the king of pro wrestling. <laughs> yes. But yes. I, I'm really excited to see. 
to see this. No, I, I am as well. Honestly, I was fine with anybody in that match winning outside of Chase Owens. Fuck Chase same. Owens. Same. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, same. Yeah, it was cool to see Shima back as well. Right? That yeah. Was, that was cool to see. Yeah, it was, it was a nice surprise to see Shima come in for the, the Rambo. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, like he, I guess, is with Fleet now. And um, OWE, I guess, is dead, maybe. It's, who knows what's going on with OWE right now? Like, it's kind of been gone for a little bit, but there's always rumbling, like tiny rumblings here and there. Either way, strong hearts go wherever strong hearts want to go. So mm-hmm. I, I loved what I saw of OWE. And I just like that style was so cool and i i hope that they're able to bring it somewhere I, I remember there was something about them all trying to join gleet or something but they're being something with china and travel stuff i don't know but um i wouldn't be surprised if there was some some issue there that hopefully gets worked out you know whether it be like pandemic related or like actual like some like cultural or like government mm-hmm. thing i don't know exactly I have, to, I have to look into it a little bit more but um, I would love to see a lot of that the OW talent in Glee or anywhere in, in Japan right now because like there were some yeah. supremely talented people that I had never seen before. Same. Yeah. yeah. And they had they even had some um AEW time. Like there were they had a a working relationship with AEW that started right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say that they were at least in a dark match or something on an AEW show. Well, I mean, I Shima, making that <laughs> Shima and, you know, Stronghearts, you know, T-Hawk and Lindemann, they definitely were on AEW shows here and there. But I don't think any OWE, there might be some OWE talent on some dark matches here and there, but it was mainly Stronghearts okay. that were on TV from, from OWE. Okay. I just have this memory of seeing them wrestle and I... It, it, it may be a false one. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but all that I saw was great. I hope they're back. And I'm glad to see Shiba back. I, I think it'd be cool if he's in um, New Japan more. I would love I, that. Yo, I would love it. Like, put him put him in the New Japan Cup. They need they need mm-hmm. bodies. Oh, hell yeah. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. And he, deserve, like, he deserves something like that, too. Like, For sure. Just because of what he does in pro wrestling. <laughs> I hope he gets that. He is a fucking ageless wonder. (laughs) I swear. I do not understand how his knees still function after doing Meteoris for nearly 20 years. Um, (laughs) Well, um, was there anything else on on night two that that stood out to you before we get to, like, the main matches here? Uh, Let me think. No, I mean, I'm sure it'll come to me if there was something. Hmm. Um, But I I probably should have pulled up the card so I can. Oh, no. You're um, good. I will yeah. shout out one more thing that, that I really liked because of like long-term storytelling stuff. Um, I really, I liked the, the way that the story played out in the junior heavyweight tag match, just because finally, like Robbie <laughs> yeah. Eagles removing Phantasma's boot and yeah. pulling this like dinky looking, looking like what it looked like aluminum foil, just yeah. like followed up and flattened out, but it's a steel plate. <laughs> like and then the Phantasmo and Ishimori being disqualified from that. They were um, they've been teasing that for like literally years. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is like it didn't really work for me, but I was like, you know, 
uh, you really were dedicated to that storyline, and I have to hand that to you. <laughs> I will always congratulate them on paying off something that has been built up for that long, even if it was a little dinky here and there. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. I really wanted Mega Coaches to be the 69th IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champions, but they still have that chance. Um, I hope it happens for them. I get why it couldn't happen at Wrestle Kingdom, but... I there's still time it. i love i love them both so much so i just want them both to win everything i think both of them are so underappreciated um for sure i just want them to have everything <laughs> <laughs> i know that that's like they probably won't have everything but um they're both kind of like somewhat tragic to me um because they both get looked overlooked a lot um and they're both amazing in my opinion um so I want, I want them to achieve their dream. <laughs> it's a nice dream. <laughs> All right, Yens. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT RingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. Well, speaking of achieving dreams, let's talk about the the, the four matches I think that that kind of gave us the most to chew on coming mm -hmm. out of the this week. Um, and we'll start off with night one. We had Hiromu Takahashi challenging El Desperado for the junior heavyweight title in, you know, a I mean, I would say an intense match, but what Roman Takahashi Desperado <laughs> match is not intense. Yeah, they're like, all intense. Exactly. <laughs> and and this one lived up to the rivalry, honestly. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. And you end up with, with Despy getting the win at Wrestle Kingdom over Hiromu. Huge. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about, about this match for yourself. What were your, your takeaways? Um, you know, their rivalry is just... I mean, they have this like 
they've made they've elevated to an art like these two guys bring out the best and worst each other in each other um in a way that i have not really seen um like they're just you know it's going to be good when they're facing each other and um i i wanted Hiromu to win but like for emotional reasons i was totally happy to see el desperado win and like him to win at wrestle kingdom is just um, he deserves that so much, um, especially like spoiler, you know, like if you're going to have uh, a Kato win over Shingo later in the evening, um, giving that to El Desperado, uh, like not giving it, he earned it, but like that one is a little bit like, to me, that was like, that was for the fans. That was for the people who've been paying attention all the time, because if you were doing the like cool flashy thing, you'd have Hiromu win, everybody knows who he is. Um, but Desperado deserved it so much. And there was a lot of criticism, I'm sure we'll talk about it, about Shigo dropping the belt after all that he's done. Um, but I think that Desperado was the, the one who got the, like, you carried this, he carried the time, like he, I, I'll be honest, didn't expect him to be a person who like had the, the company on his shoulders a little bit, <laughs> Yeah. but, um, he did. And like, uh, it was, the match was great, but like, for me, the emotions of the match between those two are always more than like the wrestling. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I I'm, I'm with you, um, in a similar way when it comes to like how Desperado has been viewed over the years, because like, um, I, while a lot of fans definitely uh, realized that about Desperado much earlier than anybody uh, in the executive room at New Japan, I feel like, um, or at least called for it sooner than any of the executives at New Japan did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Desperado over the past year has proven himself to be a, top name in, in the junior division and honestly the company as a whole I, I mean I, yeah. I, I, I go back to the match that him and Hiromu had um, last year not last it was actually more than a year ago now at this point um, it was before Hiromu hurt his uh, pack whenever um, you know they were fighting and Hiromu tore his mask that, oh god that's Desi's like mask one and, of the best wrestling things I've ever seen Yes. Was Desperado just taking the rest of his mask off yes. and like being like, fine. <laughs> like that was just like, <laughs> that blew me away. That was so good. And oh. it, it was quite rightly, you know, they did callbacks to that and the commentary mentioned that moment. Um, and even when Desperado came back after that, he, uh, he had a new mask that had like the Kintsugi, the, yes. um, the way that you repair pottery with gold to like highlight the, oh. It was beautiful. It was like- Poetic cinema. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and then you, you have that, you have him run with the title. Um, and obviously like you had like the, the title changes after Hiromu got hurt. Um, and then it comes back to Desperado after Robert Eagles had it setting up for this match. Um, and to see Despy come out in all white, a la like his early uh, his first era. His first Wrestle Kingdom appearance also yeah. was was all white, right? I believe so. The first like because he sh that's when he debuted when he came back from um, excursion was mm -hmm. at Wrestle Kingdom to challenge to challenge 
Kota Ibushi, who had just beaten Prince Devitt at Wrestle Kingdom May 8, 9, 7, I don't remember. But yeah. like he, and I think he was an all white then. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was, <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a dramatic bitch in the most like <laughs> complimentary way that I can possibly say that phrase. Yo, um, both, <laughs> both people in this match. Oh, yeah. Are dramatic bitches. Come on now. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Hiromu's like a different kind of dramatic bitch, but yes. like Desperado is the kind of just is the kind of dramatic bitch that I I aspire to. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was I mean, honestly, like seeing him come back in the all white was amazing. A callback mm-hmm. to that match, but also kind of a, a callback to uh an evolution and identity as well. Because like you know, I he, I don't think he's worn. I, he might have worn the white pants, but I don't think he's worn the white mask or gone all white since joining Suzuki Good. Mm. So like, th- I think this was the first time that you had that. So it really spoke to this idea of like where Desperado sees himself now, and then getting the victory over Hiromu in in a match that rivals all of their other matches yeah. for for the top in that rivalry was just the, the the button on everything. Like, I think that it's the right choice. Like, I immediately thought it was the right choice. Yeah. Um, Hiromu, you can always put the belt on Hiromu and yeah. feel right. There's a reason why so many people look at Hiromu as the, the uh, successor to Liger, as the um, captain of the junior division. Yeah, he's the, he's the one you can always put the belt on, as you say. Exactly. But you have to keep building up people around him. It can't just be Hiromu. And the mm-hmm. fact that Despi got this win further cemented him. I think in, if anybody had any doubt about where Desperado factors in, in New Japan, they know now. And I'm excited that that, that was put on him. And I am excited to see how things uh, keep going. Uh, over yeah. the course of this year and beyond for him. Yeah, and it's also good for Hiromu to have a story where, like, he fucking keeps losing at Wrestle Kingdom, and, you know, um, like, that is, that's, that's good, especially since his first <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom was so spectacular. Um, yes. That is honestly one of my favorite matches. It's, like, three minutes long, um, <laughs> just because of, like, how, int- like, how much of an intense, like, concentrated bit of wrestling it was and I love Kushida um so like to have him be like he, he showed up at his first Wrestle Kingdom and just like beat Kushida in at under five minutes um and then like now he's just really struggling with Wrestle Kingdom like I like that like that he has something to fight for exactly he is the guy yes. in the junior division yes yes and of course we can't talk about this match without having our annual check-in on the king of fucking looks, Hiromu <sighs> Takuma. Jesus Christ. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> that was the night I had such a terrible migraine, and he came out, and I was like, I can't look at you. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, in the most complimentary way that I could, like, in the way that I was like, my, my brain, like, because of what is currently happening to me neurologically, I cannot comprehend you. <laughs> I mean, it's fitting that he had all of the tentacles and like the cruise balls and everything. It was very um, like, uh, like uh, oh God, the, na- the the term's escaping me now. It was very Lovecraftian in a way. It was like Technicolor Lovecraft. So of course yeah. you don't want to look at that because it will render your brain useless. Yes, exactly. It was like, <laughs> it, it was beyond mortal comprehension. Yes. And it was like, as it was as if Hiromu Takahashi was like doing a parody of himself. Um, 
but it was it I did look at pictures later and I still found it a bit beyond my comprehension even without like a, a neurological uh crippling effect on my brain um yeah I, I, blown away like I I thought immediately like well Sometimes we talk about, you know, like who had the best fashion at Wrestle Kingdom. But I know this year we're going to talk about how good Hiromu's outfit was. Exactly. Like, <laughs> we always I've, talk about that anyway, but yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, honestly, this year, like, there wasn't a ton of, like, real big fashion moments. Like, I like the, really? like, the, the history that Okada's robe. That was cool. Too. Yep. But, like, outside of that, there really wasn't anything super special. I will yeah. give a, a quick, like, um, fucking, like, downvote shout out to Will Ospreay's, like, knockoff store brand Jake Paul looking ass at the end of night one um, yeah. for that. But, you know, that that's besides, like that's just a quick one. That's part of his character, too. It's like he's, yeah. that's what he's doing right now. So it was good character wise, but it was just obnoxious <laughs> so bad yeah. well let's get to the match that preceded that moment mm-hmm. uh night one closed out chicago uh, oh almost said chicago to whatever shingo takagi <laughs> jesus christ i'm stumbling over my words today shingo takagi defending the uh the uh iwgp world heavyweight championship against kazuchika okada um as you alluded to earlier i feel like among the audience there was some controversy with the decision to have okada win this match mm-hmm. looking at the full story of the week and and wrestle kingdom i get why okada won i personally didn't have a huge problem with okada winning i feel like that still like i'm never going to complain about okada being same like i i tweeted like basically even during his like two year reign I often wanted his opponent to win, but I was never like mad that Okada won. He's just that good. Like I know that a lot of people were over him and this is a super basic opinion. Um, And like I was at Wrestle Kingdom uh, in 2018 when he faced Naito for the first time. And like, I was getting dirty looks because I was cheering for him. I'll never be sad when Okada wins. No, but uh, at the same time, I can understand why the people that are upset that Takagi Oh, absolutely, are, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like no one else, like, higher than Shingo Takagi in 2021 really put New Japan on their shoulders and carried the weight of that company yeah. in the way that he did. You know, winning the title after all the, the huge situation, you know, whenever Osprey got hurt mm-hmm. um, and, you know, beating Okada to be crowned the champion. And having the defenses that he did have, like it was a very strong reign overall. Yeah. And I and really made sure that you knew that that Takagi was going to be a player in that title picture going forward. Um, but at the same time, I feel like Okada's been out of the title picture for a while now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's kind of gone through multiple refreshes. I feel like in terms of character development and kind of finding himself again, and you know, he's still, he's still the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He's still, he, he's still the best wrestler in the world. Anytime that you put anybody you put him in the ring with, you get a stellar match. So I feel like it was a good feel good moment for, for Okada to get that spot. 
Shingo's not going anywhere. I think it was cool that he got the spot where he had to come out and confront all the Noah people on the second night. Yeah, that was great. Uh, because was great. if anybody's not going to fucking uh, have a qualm about slapping somebody mm-hmm. in the face, it's going to be yeah. Shingo Takagi. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Like I, I was totally fine with that, and especially looking at how at the match that they had as well. Like it, this was not like Okada dominating Shingo and, mm-hmm. and devaluing Shingo in any way. No, Shingo looks great, and Okada is good at that. You know, like he's there's that saying about a broom to a three star match or whatever. Like that is him, um, yeah. and there's a lot of people who are especially because New Japan is kind of like stumbling a lot right now and not in its highest form, especially given how it just absolutely incredible it was in 2017, 2018. Like people are really over it. People are saying like, oh, Kata's over, you know, like they're into Kano now or like whoever, people from other promotions, but he's, he's the man. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's so there's good. no denying it. Yeah. No. Like I, I absolutely love it. I'm glad that, and honestly, it made more sense for the second night as well. Like I feel yes, like of course. there's definitely a, an issue that's been built in with Takagi and, and Osprey, you know, with Osprey claiming to be the real champion, Shingo, you know, holding that belt in lieu of Osprey screaming about it wherever he would pop up mm-hmm. here and there. And I think that match will that match has to happen somewhere down the line because I feel like that you just have to pay that off in some yes. way. But Okada Osprey has a lot more history to it and made more sense for the the final match to close out the Tokyo Dome. This year. It would have I think Shingo versus Osprey would have made a, a lot of sense too because I forget this sometimes when Shingo first came he was a junior heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. And like it still doesn't make sense to me, but like they had a good, they have really good like thing going. Like Osprey was the first one to beat Shingo. He was like undefeated in the when he first got here and stuff. So it would have been good too. But I mean, Okada's the man. And like and like I said earlier in the show, like these big shows kind of do have to get booked in part for the casuals and and also like during COVID, just with everything that people have gone through you want those like happy pure kind of like uncomplicated feel-good moments yeah not that that wouldn't have happened if she no one but just like okada winning is that you know it's like a shortcut to that at least for me anyway. yeah there's a different vibe there's a different vibe between mm-hmm. the two of them and, and the positivity that they have um so i guess with that let's move into the the second night uh let's talk about um Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kenta. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I okay, look, I I understand the complaints that some people had about like having to watch Kenta put a ladder together to use it. And uh, that was great. I don't know what it was talking about. That was, was. Awesome. <laughs> I, here's the thing. I get why people complain about it because like, yes, it is like a dead spot in this match that has been like something you don't really see on a new Japan show is completely different from everything else. And it's been mm-hmm. extremely hard hitting, especially with Tanahashi being in a match like that, like going completely against his entire ethos of pro wrestling. Love this for him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it was entrancing. It was hilarious. too. <laughs> like, <laughs> it and was it was also, 
it was also like for me I had this weird like I saw that and I was like that is that ladder is not safe and yes (laughs) I don't know like and I fixated on it I was like oh no that ladder is not safe that ladder is like 15 feet tall and it doesn't have a cross thing and then (laughs) to fix it just like thank you now I can get back into this match where someone is definitely going to jump off the ladder Boy, did they. Yeah. My God. So, like, this match, like, it is it is no disqualification. It is hardcore from the get-go. You know, we got kendo sticks. We got chairs. We got Tanahashi trying to set up a table and having trouble with it here and there. Kenta having trouble with tables. People going through tables. All leading up to these, these ladder spots at the end. Um, where, obviously, like, Kenta gets the ladder together. He's going up to... Well, first off, he hits... Before you can get to the ladder, I have to talk about the Falcon Arrow spot. I thought that Kenta had fucked up his knees on that Falcon Arrow spot. Mm, yeah. He, like, the one place you don't want to be whenever you're bringing somebody down through a table is having part of your body underneath that table. Yeah. And no. it just looked rough. Like, it just... There, it just looked incredibly, incredibly rough. This entire match did, honestly. Like... Yeah. It's like they brought strong style into a weapons match. It, it it was like it was like a real hardcore match, kind of like a match in which, like I don't like hardcore matches. I'm very much a wuss. Like this is why I like pro wrestling is because people are not actually getting hurt most of the time, um, or they are, but you know, like relatively safely uh, they're yeah, not it's not like as, catastrophic injuries right like i don't like the bjw style um like just the 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 goal is to make your opponent bleed and in the most interesting ways possible um i can't i hate that but this was like it felt like that to me but i like i said i'm kind of a wuss and i have a low tolerance for people actually getting hurt <laughs> and blood i don't love blood either like i don't i know some people really like weapons matches and hardcore matches for that reason and that's that's cool but it's it's not my thing but they really they they did the thing like they i have to give it to them they <laughs> they did the thing they were like what you were supposed to do in this match is get hurt and they did it. <laughs> they got yep. They definitely got hurt. Um, probably Kinta getting the brunt of it, honestly. Yeah. Like taking that tumble off the ladder, landing face first on the trash can, just oh. busting himself wide open. Oh, um, yeah. like I'm pretty like I don't know if it was like above his eye or if he had a broken nose, but it was just everywhere. Everywhere, and then, yeah. Yeah. And then Tana hitting the the high five flow off of the, like near the top of that ladder. God, yeah. I I mean, I don't know if you've ever, have, have you ever been in a wrestling ring before? No. Okay. You know, you can see how the, the, the ring is like spring, springy. Yeah. And like, exactly. it's not, it's not a stable surface. Yes. <laughs> oh, like everything about that was like, I really was holding my breath <laughs> as he was climbing that ladder and getting ready to do the high fly flow and stuff. <laughs> Just, Especially with like no with without the referee like racing the ladder either. It's like you watch these matches in like in a lot of American promotions. The referee helps out with these ladder spots by like you know kind of grounding it a bit, giving some extra right. weight because you know the cameras on the wrestler who's climbing the ladder. Exactly. 
But Red Shoes, he's often in the opposite corner just waiting to see what happens. Because <laughs> like, like, I don't have to do anything. This is a no DQ. Exactly. And like, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to wholeheartedly blame him because like how often you never have these style of matches in New Japan. No. Like, I'm not going to put it on him to instinctively go over and hold a ladder in that way. Yeah. But at the same time, it was, it was a very nerve wracking scene. I'm very glad Kenta fortified the ladder properly. Yes. <laughs> like, he had to. Doesn't matter how much match time it took. You know someone's going to climb that ladder. Yeah, but obviously, like, Tana hits the high five flow, gets the win, reclaims the, the U.S. title. Um, and I I feel for Kenta, because he, you know, he's scheduled to be gone this, this Noah show, this, this mm-hmm. uh, NJPW versus Noah show. And he's one of the more high-profile people on it based off of his history. And, yeah, uh, yeah, he's pretty important to it. And, you know, I don't know the extent of the injuries. I've seen, you know, obviously you had the, the laceration on the face, but also, like, there's been pictures that he's put out about, like, showing his back and, like, yeah. the, the, the beating that he took going through the tables and, and landing on that sling blade on the chairs. Like, his back was, like, it wasn't as bad as, like, you know, Cody, whenever he went through the flaming table on a oh god, yeah, I forgot about that. But (laughs) like, it was still, it was still bad. Like, Kenta has got to be reeling, and there's a. I have no doubt that Kenta, in his mind, is probably like, "Fuck it, I'm going to go do this match on Saturday." Mm -hmm. But I don't know if, like, the people that might be telling him not to are going to keep him, uh, or, or allow him to do that. Like, I'm curious to know what the entries are to the extent they are. Yeah, I was like looking on Twitter yesterday trying to figure out like if Kento was okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I mean, what did you, what did you think about the the story of that match? Like, what did you, how did you feel about? Because there was, I feel like there was a story to that match that wasn't like two men trying to make each other bleed. There was like a lot more to it, which oh, was sure. interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I like I, I said earlier, like the idea of this match goes completely counter to everything that we've ever heard mm-hmm. from Hiroshi Tanahashi in mm-hmm. terms of how he views pro wrestling and how he believes pro wrestling should be contested and presented. Um, and obviously, like we saw, like some of this kind of play into other rivalries that he's had. You know, mm-hmm. but probably most notably, whenever him and Kenny Omega made an event at yeah. Wrestle Kingdom a few years mm-hmm. back. Um, but that was more focused on like uh, wrestling styles per se, like not even necessarily with weapons, you know, and and these sort of ideas. And to see Tana kind of over the course of these two days almost devolve a little bit in a way, you know, it, maybe not like mm-hmm. a full on devolution in, in that aspect because like obviously like his idea for wrestling is fully eroded in him. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. To see him be like, okay, if you want to do this, I am going. You, I don't know if you want to see what happens whenever I embrace this, especially considering right. how well he has been in embracing his own style and and against other people where he's kind of implemented elements he, of those styles. Yeah, he. Um, the first time that he really, I want to say, the first time that he really criticized Kenny Omega was in. 2016 or 17 they did that ladder match against someone who knows who um in osaka some guy person yeah they did a match against some guy and it was the first uh ladder match that new japan had ever had and tana was 
if I recall correctly, Tana was really critical of that. Oh yeah. Um, because he was like, that's not who we are. We don't do that shit. Like that's what WWE shit, whatever. And so like it's it, it's beautiful because pro wrestling makes the most ridiculous thing symbolic. So like the ladder, him doing <laughs> him winning, doing a jump up that super high ladder, uh, was quite a poetic in that way because that was when he first was like no and that was that sowed the seeds for his rivalry with Kenny Omega throughout the years um and how he felt it was really about you know style clash and there was a lot more there um to that rivalry but part of the one of the themes was the style clash between the two of them um so for him to like lean into it was like I'm I'm not sure if I feel like he's a hypocrite or if he's devolving. I don't know. Like, I want to see where it goes, I guess, because he, like the first night he, he was disqualified. Mm-hmm. He, Ken, Kenta brought out a kendo stick as Kenta is want to do. Like Kenta is no stranger to hitting people with things. Um, and it, it was kind of like Tana was like, okay, that's how we're doing it this is how I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, I mean, he, he's also had this wonderful story of, you know, the past few years of like, who am I, if not the ace, you know, like he's not the, he is always the ace, of course, to all of us, but you know, Okada is the top guy now and in the position that, that Tana was in, that Tana made him earn from him, um, you know, and so he's had the story of like trying to figure out what is he as a wrestler, as a as a personality, if he's not the top guy. Um, so I, I really wonder if he's I, I didn't actually see the post-match comments for him. So I wonder if he is like, this is who I am now. This is me now. Or if he, you know, what, did you see them? I don't know what he said. I unfortunately haven't seen them. Uh, I, I don't know exactly where Tana is at coming out of this match and like character wise or anything like that. But I, to me, it, it kind of read as, um, you know, furthering this identity crisis mm-hmm. in a way, you know, like I, cause I think in like the, the true ACE days, of Hiroshi Tanahashi, you know, whenever it wasn't just like, you know, being the ace uh, in, I hate to say in name because he's still so talented and so good. Yeah, but like you yeah. said, Okada is the is the top right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in those days, I would never ever have imagined that Tanahashi would do a match like this. Yeah. Even no. if like it was like that's where like the story was going or the booking was going. Like I have a feeling like Tanahashi would have use his voice in a way to, to move this away. So have, seeing like this match happen now of all times for him, um, it just, I think it speaks more to that, that idea of him having an identity crisis and struggling to find exactly where he fits into, into this era of New Japan. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if that story keeps being told over the course of the year because him being the U.S. champion opens himself up to a very interesting kind of roster of opponents because not only do you have like, you know, people like Kenta or some of the larger names that are like just below the mm-hmm. world title picture in uh, New Japan being there, but you also have a slew of 
American affiliated New Japan wrestlers or, mm-hmm. you know, wrestlers in other companies like mm-hmm. AEW or Impact that could potentially challenge for that belt. And mm-hmm. there are a number of people who've been vocal, you know, whether it's kayfabe or not, about wanting to face Tanahashi at some point. I. Everybody wants, everybody wants to face Tanahashi. <laughs> exactly. But the two that immediately jumped to mind are like Lance Archer wants that match again. Mm-hmm. John Moxley wants that match at some mm-hmm. point, you know, whenever he is able to return to the ring. And guess what? Those two dudes have more of a mindset like Kenta yep. than Tanahashi. Yep. So are we going to see Tanahashi lean into that again if he ends up facing either of them? Yeah, I also wonder if he was kind of thinking, well, this is the U.S. title, so. <laughs> let's get know. them the U.S. garbage match. Yeah, let's do, <laughs> let's do uh, you know, these people have no taste about wrestling and no, uh, <laughs> and they love violence. So I will give them this. Um, I, I don't know. I, it might be basic of me, but. I want to see I want to see it be Kenny Omega honestly because they have unfinished business like the way that they wrapped up their 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 feud for the last it was really unsatisfying and it felt like there was a lot of just loose ends that they never tied up and um I would love to see Kenny Omega's shitty heel character be like oh well 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 you jumped off a ladder you know um um uh but yeah, maybe it'll maybe it'll get there because I really want them to face each other again. And I feel like, you know, that was Kenny was the first holder of that belt. So he kind of feels like it's his and stuff. So I I really want this to lead there. That may be an unpopular opinion, but um I'm here for it. I would I would, I would really that love that because I, I want and I want Tanahashi in AEW. Yes. Um so <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want to see Tan- Tanahashi just run through AEW, honestly. Um, and, and I also think that that is like in his career where he should be, like he shouldn't probably be doing all those hardcore matches like that, but like traveling abroad, um, seeing fans all over the world and, you know, like giving, giving the people more Tanahashi at this moment um, yes. in his career. Like that's, that's where he should be, I think. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm actually super interested to see where this all goes no same here like tanahashi deserves to have a stage like AEW in the u.s Mm -hmm. to finally kind of be on here like we saw how well you know the appearances by satoshi kojima and minoru suzuki came off in in AEW, and and to see the response that they got it made me only imagine like the response that tanahashi oh yeah i did not expect them to be all about yuji nagata and they, <laughs> I mean, I, oh my God, I, was, yes. I was like so fucking pumped. To see Hell him. yeah. I was shocked that John Moxley was like, you know who I want? Eugene. <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, but, and I, I get it because like, he probably, I imagine like, is a massive, like you should be a fan of Eugene. <laughs> Even yes, if everyone should be a fan of Eugene Nagata. Yeah, even if you're like me and you've only been watching wrestling for a few years, um, I'm sure that Moxley watched him in his prime and was, you know, idolized him. So for him to call him out is great. But like, I didn't expect that at all. So like, to imagine Tanahashi there, I think people would be so hyped about that. <laughs> I love that idea. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. I know some of my friends hate that idea, but. I, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm here for it. I wanted to get those shots as well. So we'll, we'll cross our fingers and hope and, and see what happens there. But, yeah. Um, regardless, Who's I think. his opponent next? He, Tana? They, or, yeah, Tana. I don't know if they set anybody up yet. Like I said, okay. I, I haven't watched uh, post-match comments. Um, and they didn't really do anything on second night to kind of set up uh, anything going forward for him. So okay. I'm sure that they have somebody waiting for that. But I thought I had seen something about it, but like now I now I don't remember. So well, that's some. Uh, I'll I'll have to check that out after yeah. after we wrap up here and see if we can find something. Yeah, if if you see something, like definitely throw it out. But okay. I, to my knowledge, they haven't set anybody up yet. But I definitely could be wrong i've been wrong in the past so um regardless though i think the perfect way to close this out is uh get well soon kenta um mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. like your your thighs are needed on yeah, uh. the new japan shows yeah and the white gear i love oh. white gear like wrestlers in white gear retweet if you agree like it is it, <laughs> i don't know what it is but Kenta coming out in all white. Well, probably because he knew he was going to bleed a lot. But um, mm, yes, and Kenta's thighs are—he's—he's—he's mm -hmm. he's, he's the king. We can't let—we uh, <laughs> can't let a wrestle kingdom go by without mentioning the the king of thighs mm -hmm. at all. No, I that want that thing. I want that that white thing so bad. By the way, oh, yes. it looks. God, he looks cool. He does. <laughs> Kenta's so fucking cool. I know. Um, it's a, that's a good segue, I, in a way, into our final match here, because from one of the coolest to one of the just fucking face palmiest, uh, Kazuchika Okada defending the New Japan, the IWGP. I was I don't know why I keep mixing that up. The IWGP World Heavyweight Title. Yeah. Against Will Ospreay. Yeah. <laughs> With his with, fucking Gryffindor bullshit on his Titantron. Oh, God. And, and just his everything, his insufferable nature, character, or otherwise here or there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, <laughs> like we do on the show every time uh, we talk about someone extensively or a match involving someone, um, there are still... Uh, unaddressed allegations of, uh, of of blackballing against Will Ospreay that mm -hmm. you know, like I said, they have gone unaddressed, and so mm -hmm. we just we highlight those things before we talk about people like that, just yep. for context. Mm -hmm. Um, that being said, Okada and Osprey have a certain chemistry in the ring. Well, every match, every match they have ever had against each other is a banger. Like yeah. even their very very first one. In Red Pro, was it Red Pro? Yeah, I believe so. Um, what just fucking tore the house down like that? Um, got I I they're so good together. I think Will sucks kind of as a person, but like Okada brings out the best in him, and he is like Osprey was so good in this <laughs> match. Like he was so good, um, and he's really like you know he he changed he went up to a heavyweight from junior heavyweight and to me like I haven't been watching too much but he also hasn't been there too much but to me he was finally believable as a heavyweight like he finally had a full complete well-rounded style as a heavyweight that he just fucking he 
<laughs> he did it. Like it was, it was great. The English commentary at the end was saying like, you can't take anything away from Will Ospreay. Like he didn't do anything wrong in this match. And I think that's true. He was like, Okada was just better, but like he was, uh, it was a great match. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's probably the best performance I've seen out of him since going heavyweight. Yeah. Um, for sure. And you, you still had the flashes of junior heavyweight Osprey in there, but the style was a lot more grounded. He, he's definitely kind of worked into being more of a, a better striker as well. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously with the hidden blade and, and all that good stuff. But I mean, Okada, the selling, like, I think that's always something you bring up with Okada, but he the way the, that, yeah, he is like, like you're about to say it. He is the one of the best sellers, best, if not yeah. the best seller mm-hmm. um, in all of pro wrestling right now. And Osprey was right there with him in, in this match in terms of that as well. Like he, that's something that you don't always see out of, out of Osprey. Um, yeah. Like it, these two just beat the tar out of each other. To an extent that I, there were a couple of spots early on in the match that really made me wonder if there had been like a legit injury here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, most notably, I think there was like early in the match, like Osprey got knocked off the apron and he looked like he smacked the side of his head into the ring post inadvertently. Ooh, and I was, just, yeah, I, I thought that like, uh, I hope that he's not concussed right yeah. now. Like, I'm with you. I don't think Will Osprey is necessarily a good person. But I also don't wish like headed. Oh yeah, I would not ever want to see him get hurt. Exactly. Like I would not want anything bad to happen to him. And yeah. I also have to say, uh, I love his shitty heel character so much. Like I hate <laughs> to say it, but I really like he. It is kayfabe, and he gets it. And I like he's he gets that like pathetic, self-important like this is the highest compliment possible somehow but like donald trump being like i didn't lose the election i won in a landslide like (laughs) will osprey just took that energy and did it like he it was really self i didn't expect him to be so self-aware that he would be able to do that character well you know he he was somebody who was always before he was always like kind of like wanting to be cool and wanting to be even when he he was a heel in in England a lot um even when he was a face in New Japan and even then he still wanted to be cool and he still wanted to be like cheered for and stuff he wanted to be kind of an anti-heel but now he's just like I don't know uh full force the, the, they say the opposite of thanks, uh, thanks, I hate it, is unfortunately, I love it. <laughs> so, unfortunately, <laughs> like, I, mean, I think he's, like, his Tron having, like, Ren Narita and Shoto, <laughs> like, calling out that he beat them or something, like. Yeah, like, so cool, stupid. let's brag about you beating, like, someone who's still wrestling in his young lion guard, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Fucking. <laughs> God that's that's what makes it so good is like he has beaten okada before he's beaten everybody uh, and he was like i beat ren <laughs> it's so good um <laughs> I, I completely understand where you're coming from and like yes i definitely like see that to an extent as well i think sometimes for me in the same way that like reality blends into the character presentation like we talked about with shibata 
the same in a different way bleeds in with Osprey. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. like like you said, we prefaced everything in the beginning with the stuff that has been said uh, and, and the accusations made against Paul Osprey. And some of that, the fact that it has gone unaddressed and seemingly like hasn't won't be addressed well, it was like it was addressed and then they they came back and said oh wait it wasn't true and like then it, it was like oh definitely you know like the the runner of that promotion was like oh no that never actually happened i was wrong um and yeah. like it it, it it was like even that part was muddy it was yeah. really weird and yeah i don't think it will ever be satisfyingly addressed Ever, especially with what a star he is all over the world um so yeah, yeah. It, it, it is frustrating to see him be a little shit when he is like a little shit actually um yeah so like that that's the only reason why i think i might not have as strong of a feeling about the the heel characters because like i still see that that it's it's hard not to in yeah. there <laughs> yeah but at the same time like you're right like he is leaning so hard into this that if like if you are just looking at it in terms of like the in-ring perspective like he is doing some good heel work there yeah that it's it's more that i remember what he was as a face and like how at when he was a face and like all those allegations were there and he was being all cute and like you know like i'm the underdog and i can do this like that was really gross to me and and yeah. really like disingenuous and stuff um but I remember that character. And so like, I can tell now how much work he is doing to be this character. And it's like, I, I do have to hand it to him. He's doing a great, like, I didn't ever expect to be like, you know, I believe him leading a heel faction. I like, yeah, I, I never expected that I would feel that. And I didn't want to, you know, because he's, Will Osprey. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can't deny how good he is. Like you just couldn't. So yeah. I and mean, I hate I I still like watching him wrestle. And and part of this is because I know that there are so many people in the industry who have done the same and worse, and we just don't know. And like not I'm not at all making any kind of excuse for him at all, but it yeah. is harder for me to like take all that on because I know that, and some of them we do know about the shit that they've done and how awful it is. <laughs> and like, it, I feel, I, I kind of feel like, oh man, if I try to, if I like try to weigh every wrestler's character against that, it's like, this industry is such a shitty one sometimes. Like people are just, I don't know. I, I don't yeah. want to get into it because I feel like I'm making excuses for him and I don't want to sound like that because no, I no, don't no. want to at all. No, <laughs> I no, no, no. I don't. don't. I definitely don't read it that way like it's 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 different for 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 everyone i feel like and and you know to the to the point that i like i still think that he did he put together a really solid main event one of the better main events that we've seen in recent years at wrestle kingdom you know yeah. it stands up to the others that have that have been so oh, yeah. high profile over and the last past. year's main event like last year's main event was incredible and it yes. was like the longest ever and whatever. I was like, how are they going to top that? And he, like, they, they brought it. He was a perfect opponent for Okada. I can't take it away from him at all. 
Um, so I guess it says something that I would like to take that away from him and I cannot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, Okada defeats Osprey uh, for the second year in a row. United Empire is 0-3 mm-hmm. at Wrestle Kingdom in singles matches. Um, and at the end of the show, we find out who Okada's uh, next opponent is going to be. Mm-hmm. One Tetsuya Naito. Um, obviously, you were in the building for their last, uh, or th- well, not their last one, but their their first uh, Wrestle Kingdom uh, main event uh, post. Well, no, it was the first one because they were at main event previously. Yes, so, it was. A, Okada brought that up. It was, yeah. a, it was a double main event that exactly. year. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, like, your thoughts on Naito re-entering the uh, the world title picture here? I mean. The, the two of them are such important pillars of New Japan that any match between them is very meaningful and very intense and has a whole lot of amazing history behind it. You just have to put them in a ring together. Like it's, it's pretty awesome that they've been able to do that work over the years. And I'm kind of glad that they, that they are going with something that works. Like it is, I'm not even going to say it's boring because it's not, um, but like it might be predictable or whatever, but like they are going with what they know works and that is what they need to do right now. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it makes complete sense. And I am excited. I really um, don't love the whole story with the world title and the old IWP heavyweight title and all that stuff. Like I, uh, uh, just as an Ibushi fan, I don't know if I can actually remove myself from it, but uh, the way that they buried him with that is is unforgivable to me. But um, yeah. but I also still just didn't love, it didn't make a lot of sense to me the way that they were doing it, that they did the whole like Okada carrying the old bell and, you know, I didn't get it. But um, the, he did sort of go like, well, now I like the world title. <laughs> and then, um, so it, hopefully that had some purchase for the fans who were upset about the, the new title. Um, and, and so hopefully it's like now a new chapter where we get to see like the story of Tetsuya Naito in this title. Um, and he is absolutely the next person who should have a, a story and a history with this with this title. So I'm excited yeah. to see where it goes. Same, same. I, I am excited to see them get back in the ring together again. Um, and, you know, depending on however this goes, like you have two people who set up perfectly for if Kota Ibushi is able to return in, in a few months and mm-hmm. kind of re-enter that title picture. Because I feel like um, whenever he does come back, like that's the perfect place to kind of reinsert him as well uh yeah i I mean i i hope so but um yeah i also think it makes sense because you know he got injured and okada even said like i'm gonna win and you're gonna be my opponent like you know you say that um but (laughs) um okada seems to mean it though whatever he he does like he doesn't uh he doesn't give out praise (laughs) (laughs) very much unless Um, it's to himself I mean, it, he is often magnanimous in victory 
yes. about his opponent in, <laughs> only in victory. <laughs> um, like he was to Osprey. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I am excited to see uh, everybody have their, their chapter with that, with that title. Yeah, so for sure. Well, that was Russell Kingdom 16. Mm-hmm. Um, any final takeaways or anything to look forward to here in 2022 coming out of the show for you? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, actually, this conversation has made me more look forward to it a little more. Yeah. I, I was a little bit like underwhelmed by Russell Kingdom overall, even though, you know, we've talked about it. It was all great. Um, it it was it, it suffers from how good it was before, um, yeah. just how fucking incredible it was, and we knew they couldn't sustain that forever. And especially with COVID, wrestling companies are doing whatever they can right now. Um, and so, yeah, um, I am excited to see, like I said, where Tanahashi goes, um, and I am interested in. Um, Okada as the world like it was it was really ham-fisted and weird to me how he was like I'm gonna carry the old IWGP title and then like he won the world title and was like okay bye (laughs) um (laughs) but it was a symbolic sort of being like okay fans you really have to get used to this now like yeah um and and Shingo did so much of that work like that was not Okada, that was Shingo who did most of that work. And, and so I do understand why people were upset that Shingo didn't win. I think that they made the right booking choice, but I completely understand why people were upset. But I hope that this will further cement that, I think it's ugly title in the, in, um, in the, the, you know, in prestige and in the minds and hearts of the fans. I think Okada is the guy to do it. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I I am curious to see where that goes, where Tana goes. I want to see how the rest of Despy's title run is going to go. And damn it, give Yoshihashi a singles title. We didn't even talk about Yoshihashi. Yes, (laughs) give give Yoshihashi a singles. I love Yoshihashi, and I hope, like, I really hope that this is a sign that people like Yoshihashi now. Yes, he's gotten shit for so long, and I'm I tired know. of it. He he's like, I I'm so jealous of him because like his whole character is like I'm not that great at wrestling, but I'm trying my best, and <laughs> he's the hero we need. <laughs> yes, um, yes he is, and he's gotten better at wrestling too. Um, exactly, like he is not a slouch. <laughs> um, but like once you get that character, you really do want to root for him. <laughs> Just like, yeah, man, you're on a tag team with Hiroki Goto. You got to do your best. Um, but no, he he like he totally held his own and did it. You know, like I I'm not gonna even say anyone else in the match carried him or anything. He's great. Yep. I've been on Team Yoshihashi for a long time. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for for joining and, and chatting all about this show. An exciting 50th anniversary year for New Japan ahead. Yeah. And uh, you know, well, we'll have to do this again next year for sure. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you so much. This was like I said, I was feeling a little bit like down about it. I had been like because Ibushi's my favorite and they've done, he's it's it's been so bad. I just haven't been able to watch. It's been like 
<laughs> but um, <laughs> I uh, this conversation really helped me feel a little bit better about continuing to watch. So thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Mm. And I love being able to say my opinion. You know that. Of course, of course. That's that's one of the joys of of having you on as well. I like giving you the avenue to do so. Oh, um, gosh. Anything, anything you want to plug or anything like that? Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything that I want. I don't even want people to follow me on Twitter. You can if you want to, but like, honestly, not a great Twitter follow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And maybe this is just because of like the local proximity or whatever, but like, I'm here for the pro wrestling slash like fucking anti-capitalist stuff that's coming out from from your Twitter account. Thank you, day. I appreciate that. Yeah, I yes. wouldn't. <laughs> um, no, I, I I think you should listen to LGBT in the ring. <laughs> that's uh, my plug. <laughs> there you go. Listen to LGBT in the ring. Fuck the PVB. Thank you yes. all for, for joining us here in our Wrestle Kingdom chat. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> My thanks once again to Rachel for coming on the show like she has done every year that we have had a Wrestle Kingdom to talk about on this show. And uh, once again, just, you know, mixing it up, chatting it up uh, all about um, this stellar two-night card. You know, we'll see if there's any further evolution or, or any differences next year. But, you know, regardless, Russell Kingdom 16 is in the books. It was a outstanding show. I highly suggest um, anybody that hasn't seen the show yet to go check out either night or both nights. Um, and just enjoy New Japan at its best, at least at its best in, uh, you know, the last year or so during the pandemic it's just it was just an all-around feel-good show by the end of things you know will osprey aside whatever but at the end of the day outstanding pro wrestling all around all around well that's going to do it for us here this week but come back next week next thursday and next friday we'll have another installment of our journal january theme month as well as uh, another episode with another uh, great interview that I am excited to have, um, like I am with all the shows, but I'm just, I'm extra excited just knowing everything that's going into this month, and, and I am here for it. I'm here for the challenge. I'm here to to bring all of these episodes to all of you, especially after such a slow December. It feels like I'm getting back in the saddle now, now that I have a situation worked out where I can actually make the show for you all again. <laughs> And it's all its glory. Um, but we'll leave all that to next week. But until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated and boosted if you can. If at all possible, please. We've seen so many cards change because of COVID. We've seen so many people lose their lives because of COVID. You know, this is not just a wrestling thing. This is a world thing. This is a human thing. Please, please, please. Um, and like yesterday, get well soon, can't up. Bye.